Today's episode is brought to you by Zoom. There's nothing like meeting face-to-face, and there's nothing like Zoom to make that happen. Zoom lets you connect and do business across town or around the world. Zoom ties together all of your communication needs into one easy platform for video conferencing, phone calls, group chat, webinars, and your conference rooms. And connect easily from anywhere, your mobile phone, your laptop, or conference room. Zoom is how business gets done. Get your free account at zoom.com today. Meet happy with Zoom. Now this is Hollywood Unlocked. What's up, everybody? This is Hollywood Unlocked Uncensored. I am Melissa Ford, a.k.a. The Curve Queen. That's right. It's DJ Damage. And uh, as you can see, Jason Lee's not here today. Yeah, he... uh... He was in Chicago, actually. In the Chi-town. He was in Chi, and uh, he was... Um, doing everything. He was doing everything. Um, uh, so <laughs> he wished that he could be here, obviously, because we have a really fantastic interview um, with Jameel Hill coming up. I, right. I have been waiting for this because you know she's one of my idols she is a she is a successful black woman in journalism yeah. she has a she has a storied career she's a trailblazer i am i am in awe of this woman so i'm really looking forward to you know finding out more about her as a as a person yeah, and her journey and in her journey and some of the things that we've seen her have to you know seen her encounter um for you sure. know when it you know when it comes to uh well, we'll get into that. Um, but uh, Jason um, was just recently on the Kendra G show. Yeah. And in Chicago. Funny thing is, when I first started radio, mm-hmm. that's who I DJ for. With so that Kendra? was my first radio interaction with Kendra G. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you, so you did see the interview. I did. I did watch the interview. So Kendra G is part of the iHeart family. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, she, she's a beautiful black sister. Um, and uh, again, I, I, I adore her. The interview was difficult to watch. Woo! That di- was something else. The interview was very difficult to watch. That was, di- and uh, you know, I really wish that Jason was here so that we could unpack that together. Yeah, for real. Um, but you know, I, I'm, let me put you in the hot seat. What was your immediate perspective on on that? Immediately, it looked like she was attacking him. Mm-hmm. Immediately, and I mm-hmm. get where you can be passionate about something, especially if you personalize it, mm-hmm. because. I know Kendra G personally mm-hmm. and I know how she came up and I knew how she had to fight and how she got her position mm-hmm. to have a morning show mm-hmm. at WGCI in mm-hmm. Chicago. So mm-hmm. I understand that. But at the same time, two opinions can coexist. You don't have to attack somebody because you feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. If anything, we're at, the, we're at the age and stature and the maturity and the expertise we're at. We can explain how we feel and kind of show somebody, this is probably where you went wrong. This is what you don't see. And this is why this hurts people like me. But when you attack somebody, mm-hmm. now you're creating a, a, a energy of arguing. Now we're going back and forth instead of saying, you know what? You said that, but this is how I feel. And this is how people like me feel. Mm-hmm. And this is what happens in our society, in our community. Mm-hmm. But when you attack somebody, no points getting across. Right. Because now we're, we're arguing. We're not having a conversation. Yeah. Um, it was really difficult to watch, first of all, because it was very loud. Um, they, they, yeah. were, they, they got to the point where they were screaming at each other. I'm, like, I'm going to say this, though. Jason didn't scream. No, 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 Jason doesn't scream. I mean, like, you know, he would, he, in order to be heard that they stopped, they they had stopped actively listening, listening to each other and it just turned into a battle. That's number one. But like from a, from a straight factual standpoint, um, it was a little bit like an ambush in my personal opinion, just because, 
you know, us being a part of the iHeart family, part of our responsibility is to visit our affiliates. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we're, we're meeting our, fam- our extended family members, you know. And so we've done this in, in New York and we've done this with, um, with Philly, you know, where we go in and it, it really is honestly supposed to be a little bit of a safe place. Yeah, for you sure. You know what I mean? The, the point of it is to do the cross-promotion thing, mm-hmm. you know? And even though there has been this raging debate about colorism based on the Basketball Wives um, cast members, OG and Evelyn, yep. going at each other and then, you know, everybody, you know, jumping onto, you know, into the conversation, um, the the whole show was about that and that is not that wasn't why Jason went to Chicago they could have touched on it exactly I they could like... yeah they could have spent five to ten minutes mm-hmm. on it but they spent the entire hour on it and it got very difficult to listen to and it was quite obvious to me that Kendra you know a lot of people are leading this discussion with their pain yeah you know and so in that way, you're not all you're not going to be open to hearing anybody else's perspective if you're leading with your pain and your trauma. And it's and that is not to take away from the fact that your your pain and your trauma is legitimate. It's valid. That exactly. is, I, I am not I'm not taking away from Absolutely. that. But if we are committed to misunderstanding each other, like this is my viewpoint and whatever your viewpoint, if it is opposing mine, I don't want to fucking hear it because you are wrong. Exactly. Then that's not, that that ceases to be a discussion and a dialogue. Then it's just, then it's just screaming at each other. that's what we have at this platform and at this level we are all at. Yeah. It's no way we should be coming on anybody's platform arguing with each other. You have your point of view. Yeah. Let me explain my point of view. Yeah. Let the audience understand what we're saying. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I understand where she's coming from and the pain she has. Yeah. But you can't yell at somebody and try to get them to understand and get them to see why this hurts you. You got to be like, you know what? When you said this, this is how people like me felt. Right. This is what we came up dealing with. You right. know what I'm saying? But right. you can't be screaming at somebody. Yeah. And look, I, I knew Kendra G for years. Mm-hmm. I love Kendra G, but you cannot I love her too. carry, you cannot scream at somebody. We're all grown. I think that she lost sight of her role as a journalist because that is essentially what we are. Mm -hmm. You know, she lost sight of her role as a journalist and um, keeping the perspective of this is a show, you know, and I don't know, perhaps she was thinking, Ooh, this is going to be some major clickbait, which it probably ended up being, but that's, mm -mm -mm. I think what happened. I, I feel like, I feel like she lost sight of, you know, the professionalism that mm-hmm. she was supposed she to was maintain. So yep. and, exactly. So when it comes to topics, you know, that we cover that we have our own personal kind of attachment to, mm-hmm. y- there's a very fine line that you have to walk, you know, to not um, constantly insert yourself, 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 because as a journalist, it's not about you. We are supposed to be objective. Yeah. That is the point. And I think that a lot of ob- objectivity was lost in that conversation. So it just it just ended up just being a, a clusterfuck. Yeah. It, just, it was a it was an 18 car derailment is what is what it was. <laughs> That's what that was. But I think what happened on social media when uh Jason put up that post and called OG ugly. Yeah. You know, Kendra G, people nationwide, you know, looks at her as one of the representatives for strong black women. Yeah. And I think she was getting a lot of interaction on her social media. Like, when you talk to him, you got to tell him all. Absolutely. And I think she was gassed up to prove a point, which is okay. But the way you do it, you can't attack anybody, especially somebody that's coming 
that's on the same radio, sh- you know, mm-hmm. show as you because you don't want to discredit somebody that's on the same. We're on the same platform. Right. And at the end of the day, we know Jason is like, bro, he's not a colorist. So yeah. it's like just because you don't agree with somebody says you can't just force it to be this thing. Right. No, you are a colorist. You do think, you know, dark skinned people are unattractive. He's like, no, I just think she's unattractive. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. Why? And it's like. I, I will I will say that I was really uncomfortable with how with with that part of the conversation just because you know to be calling somebody ugly you know not just not him just anybody anybody yeah, it's, ref- it's any refer anybody referring to anybody as ugly it's 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 hard on the ears to hear something like that because you know we've all had insults thrown at us yeah. that, that that hit us hard you know um because maybe it's something that we have thought about ourselves at some point or what whatever the case is it was it was that was one of the the most difficult parts of it to hear but it's also it was also very difficult to hear that also on basketball wives like i was not an avid watcher of basketball wives Mm -hmm. but in order to understand this conversation i really i went back and i watched so you watched the Oh, yeah. All, all up until that episode. Oh, yeah. So how does she carry herself, right? Oh, gee, I, I didn't really get to watch and I wanted to, but how does well, she carry you wanna herself? You want to know what I, I do? I I want to bring Jamil in to talk about this, okay, to, see if, to see if she knows or anything about this, if she's caught up or if mm-hmm. she cares or whatever the case is. Because even if you don't ba- watch Basketball Wives, this this was a really important conversation to be had. And it's and for the for, culture. For the culture. And then, and then doing the deep dive into the comments, like... Yeah, it, it, it is. It's 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 everybody's anger is very visceral. Like it's it, you can feel it, yeah. you know, it like it cuts like a knife, like the tension that this particular topic, um, you know, uh, creates. So I really want to talk to Jamil about this because she is a black woman and she's a black woman in journalism. Um, Jason has talked a lot about how black j- journalists are, you know, mistreated on red carpets and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I really want to find out her perspective on that. Um, and then this particular conversation. So on that note, let's go get Jamil Hill and bring her in. Let's bring her in. Let's do it. <laughs> Sitting in the hot seat, we've got Jamil Hill yes. in the building. <laughs> very exciting, very exciting. Thank you. I have been a fan from afar for so long. This is our first time meeting. It is, and we are so excited to have you. For Jason sure. really wishes that he could be here. All he good. was he was in Chicago, um, and I missed flight or something like that. So he was he really wanted to talk to you specifically for the uh, for the fact that you are such a trailblazer in you know uh, as a black journalist. As For a sure. female black journalist, um, and we're definitely going to get into questions because he's been very vocal about how black journalists are treated on mm. red carpets in terms of celebrities yes. being whisked by and and that sort of thing. So I want to find out, you know, uh, your experience, you know, what experiences you have might have with that and stories and stuff like that. But I really want to ask you like a personal question. Sure, let's get personal. Um, wow. Okay, so you were you were raised, you were born and raised in Detroit in the D in, in the, the D. D. Yep. Yep. so um, cold there. <laughs> so cold. Somebody got to bring that back up. I know. I love that song. I'm okay if they didn't. <laughs> okay, if that did not happen. And so it, it says that you were you called yourself a huge tomboy growing mm-hmm. up. So what what does that mean? Being being a tomboy. Yeah. Well, uh, back then playing mm-hmm. tackle football in the grass. <laughs> I, no, I did used to yes, do that, it? but I was a quarterback. And All then right. I actually had a little bit of speed, a little change of direction, mm-hmm. but I had a hell of arms. So. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the thing is, is that women playing sports, girls playing sports was not nearly, I don't think as fashionable then as it mm-hmm. is now, mm-hmm. even though 
I'm sure the women that were older than me would probably say, oh, if you think it wasn't fashionable then, it was just damn near unheard of when, yeah. when they were doing it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was definitely post Title IX, but the idea of girls and women playing sports and being cool, um, that really wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And so in the neighborhood, uh, you know, I just, I kind of always had a, for some reason, I always was gravitated towards sports mm -hmm. in terms of watching it, playing it, had mm -hmm. good hand-eye coordination. Mm -hmm. Like I said, had speed then. Mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. know what the hell happened to that. But, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, guys and especially young boys we're talking about here is that because you're the girl in the neighborhood and you might be able to athletically at that particular age, um, you might be a, a real counterpart to them or like kind of an equal. Mm -hmm. They always try to try you. Mm -hmm. And so the good thing is that because of those early experiences, being around, you know, young boys, roasting them, them roasting me, it very much prepared me for what I would later do in life. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Being at ESPN, working in, in sports journalism. And, all, a, and a very male-dominated, male yeah. very misogynistic sure. business. Exactly. And Oof. so, but when you're, you know, when I'm at ESPN, I'm on a desk and it might be a, a Hall of Famer there, mm -hmm. a current professional athlete, uh, just a male co-host, you know, you have to be able to hold your own and feel confident about what you're saying, what your perspective is, what your opinions are and, and thoughts. And so I think all of that just prepared me for those moments that I would kind of face later on. Okay, so it says that your favorite sport as a kid was baseball. Very true. Why? Black Why people not? watch baseball. No, 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 no. <laughs> so my experience... I used to play baseball no, so my So my experience with baseball is my father was a massive baseball fan. Yeah. We were born, mm -hmm. I was born and raised in Toronto, so the Toronto Maple Leafs, like George Bell and Tony, Tony oh, yeah. Hernandez. Oh, the Blue Jays. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the Blue, Blue Jays. Jays. Like, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. talking about, like, the Blue Jays from the eight. Early <laughs> That's Jerry Curl, George yes. Bell. Yes, it's yeah. that Jerry Curl, George Bell. Uh -huh. And my father, uh, you know, I remember one time he came and got me from school and um, or he came to my school and I, I get this call, you know, a call comes through in my class and they were like, Melissa, you need to go to the principal's office. And everyone was like, ooh. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh shit, what did I do? I don't remember. <laughs> and so I go down to the principal's office and I see my father and I was like, oh, hey. And he was just like, um, your aunt yeah, come on, Dad. Is sick. We gotta go. And I was like, uh, okay. And I was like, where are we really going? He was like, to a baseball game. <laughs> That's and, what's up. And so that That's was dope. that was my experience with baseball growing up. So I was like a big. As soon as I got there, I needed a pretzel and couldn't wait till the seventh inning wave. Like <laughs> that was my jam. So it's just interesting to find out that your favorite sport as a kid was growing growing up was baseball. Like who were some of your baseball idols? Like well, who did you absolutely? But my love? experience is, is similar to you. Except uh -huh. for instead of my father, it was my mother. Oh, oh wow. wow. And, uh, we would she would allow me to skip school more like she was saying you skipping school today and yeah. we would go uh, to Tiger Stadium yeah. and um, so the other thing that always makes an Im impression on you when you're a kid is the teams that are winning mm -hmm. so when I was uh, nine years old the Tigers won the World Series mm -hmm. and so they were you know really good kind of as my early development in terms of being a sports fan when that started and mm -hmm. so that kind of sucked me in and so, uh, so because if they were losers, then you'd have been like, you might have ah. felt a different way, right? Yeah, I'm mean, like, never mind. I'm you about know. to do something. That's probably why I'm not a Lions fan because they're terrible, right? The Detroit Lions have been terrible for literally like ever six decades. I mean, yeah. but you know, y'all had some iconic players on the Lions. Yeah, Barry yeah. Sanders, and you had a couple spurts here and there, um, a couple flashes, but that team is is generally been awful. So mm -hmm. anyway, I say all that to say is that uh, so my my fandom kind of started there, and mm -hmm. then. 
this is before social media, before phones, mm-hmm. oh, back yeah. when we actually had an attention span that lasted more than two minutes. Yes. Right? And so I know a baseball you know, <laughs> yeah. I know a baseball <laughs> game <laughs> is oh, talking about three hours of your time, but that's what I would do every Saturday. You mm-hmm. know, shout out to everybody who remembers this week in baseball and Saturday uh, baseball slate that would go from like the beginning to the that would go from like basically dust till dark. Yeah, some yeah. bonding about baseball because I remember uh, when I Definitely. was growing up my block captain, I don't know if you ever had block captains, but he would get a school bus and take all the kids from the neighborhood to a baseball game. And I don't, I still don't really like baseball, but the fact that but all the social. kids together, yeah, it was yeah. like, it felt like a thing. Like, yeah. it felt like a family thing to do. Yeah, baseball games are fun to go to with family, friends, yeah, and like that a, sort of thing. Not so, it's not that much fun to watch on TV. You know, it's, yeah. a, it's, it's, a, it's a little boring. It's a, it's, a, it's a social sport. Yeah. And, and you mentioned something that's really important. It's yeah. a sport that is often passed down. Yeah. And the great thing about when you go to a baseball game is that, like with football, you constantly have to be really paying attention. Yeah, Basketball you do. for sure. Yeah, right? for sure. Baseball, there's just built in lag times. Yeah. Like you mentioned the seventh inning stretch. Yeah. And the fact that they're, even though I know they're trying to speed up pace a game, the fact that there's time between pitches mm-hmm. or when, a, you know, when somebody, uh, you know, has a hit or a home run, like there's just this built in time. Yeah. So you could talk, you could keep score, you can, you know, you can still socialize and watch. Maybe yeah. you could speak to this. Somebody told me baseball was created for guys who wanted to get away from their wives. <laughs> from the new This Time Tomorrow podcast, available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us as we explore a future full of possibilities in the age of 5G. A decade ago, it would have been hard to imagine navigating a city you'd never visited before in a stranger's car. And now we stand on the cusp of a new generation of mobile internet, 5G. So the question is, what might tomorrow look like? You can create the smart city where the garbage trucks only come and collect the garbage when the trash can is full or when it's out in the street rather than every Wednesday. And I think that's what I find so exciting about what's called the Internet of Things. And that Internet of Things can only be enabled by the next generation of wireless connectivity. This Time Tomorrow is presented by T-Mobile for Business. Today, T-Mobile is leading the 5G charge with $30 billion invested in an advanced network designed to deliver the breadth of mobility we need. Business is changing. Learn more at tmobileforbusiness.com. They said that's exactly why it's so long, it's so boring. It was, like, it was a way for men to run and have their own space away from their wives. Did you ever hear that? Uh, no, I mean, I've heard that about sports in general. <laughs> not not particularly baseball, but people say that about football too. You know? yeah. It's like, it's football, I don't even... I'm. I guess, again, I just had one of those brains that I just had a, such a natural affinity for this stuff. So it, I never had to have football explained to me. I just knew what it was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know how I would tell somebody, what like, the rules of football. Yeah. Like, I, like if I explain football to an alien or to somebody in another country that no, had never seen it. Like, no, you, you, like, wait, wait, no, you can't. No, you can't. When are they going to use their sense. feet? They're like, when are they going to use their feet in football? It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh, well, yeah. if you score, you yeah. get a chance to but use your feet a little like bit. the rules, too. It's just like, well, it's holding if they do this, and then if they get outside the tackle box. Like, it's just like nobody got time for that. So. Yeah, it was, it, it, it literally, for me, football was another pastime that I shared with my father watching football games. Um, the cannonball was like my favorite player of all time, <laughs> um, Earl Campbell. Uh, so just for you young that have are like Ooh, they don't know about Earl. they don't know anything don't know about, about Earl, Earl Campbell. Like, um, you don't know who Earl Campbell is? Come on, dude. What team? Really? Houston Oilers. <laughs> nah, I don't he's know. one of the greatest running backs of all time. Of nope. all time. Didn't know about it. Wow. Who yes. was Warren Moon played for the Oilers though? He right? did. I knew Warren Moon, but yeah. that's 
Canada's finest as well. I mean, not from Canada, but yeah. obviously uh, before he got into the NFL, he was, a, uh, I mean, arguably the greatest CFL quarterback of all time. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. See, that, I, see he, I knew that. I he, had his card. He is our, yes. he is our pride, <laughs> yes, a, a big source, a source of our pride. But yeah, no, trying to explain football to like girlfriends, like, what's happening, Melissa? I was like, girl, bye. You, <laughs> know, how, you know how long it took <laughs> me to figure lot. out what the hell's going on? All these like little, you know, nuanced well, you know rules and shit yeah. like that. Oh my God. Explaining that, it's like, no. It's, it's, <laughs> major I, I understand why you know i guess if you go with the stereotype why men get frustrated when women <laughs> who don't know about sports come to games because i feel the same way not necessarily we're talking with some of my girlfriends because a lot of them know about sports mm-hmm. but just people in general yeah that don't follow it i'm just like you know what why don't you go over there go yeah. watch a movie yeah that's better for you exactly right? <laughs> exactly okay so um it wasn't until high school that you knew that you wanted to be a sports writer and you used to read the detroit news and uh detroit free press because that's the only section. way you could keep up with your team exactly pre-internet and people pre-internet pre-internet yeah when we like you said when we had, had longer attention spans god <laughs> i fight through like that like add that we all have now no. because of these things you know so (laughs) in your junior year of high school um you're you know filling out your high school schedule and you need an elective and so you pick journalism just randomly which ends up being the best decision you ever made it was yeah it was random but it was it was intentional because Mm -hmm. even before then like i've been i guess the two things i've been doing forever ever since i could remember that just came super natural to me uh were sports and writing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so growing up i used to i wrote in my journal a lot Mm -hmm. and I wrote, I wrote short stories, I wrote poems, I wrote, you know, mini novels, if you will. Always loved to write and mm-hmm. always was a voracious uh, reader, reader as mm-hmm. well because I think those two go hand in hand. And I was, you know, I guess as I read the newspaper and figured out that this was a profession mm-hmm. or that journalism itself was a profession, it made me more curious to see what it was about. So when I got to high school and I was running out of electives, I picked journalism because that also meant you were a member of the newspaper. So staff. wait, I just want to ask her this. Uh-huh. So you were re- so you read a lot of sports coverage in um, Detroit publications. Mitch Album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. He was. He was. Uh, I mean, I. I <laughs> it was funny because when I was at ESPN, mm-hmm. uh, Mitch and I got a, a chance to do sports reporters a lot together, which is now unfortunately defunct. Yeah, he he's my favorite, really rich favorite, okay. but not sports. Oh, for his but books. because he's books. So just oh, for, okay, just, okay, so, okay. just yeah. some backstory. Um, so Mitch Album wrote the world renowned novel Tuesdays with Maury. Oh my God! Please read it. Please read it. I read it every few years just <laughs> to reclaim my you know faith in humanity. Yeah. Um, he's yeah. written the five people that you that meet in heaven. In heaven. Yeah. Um, uh, just Google Mitch album. He's amazing, but he got his bones writing. Yeah. Um, Still writes for the free press. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. He's a columnist for the free press, and yeah. he was considered one of the best in the country. So. Uh, as I used to mess with him, but it was true when mm-hmm. we did sports reporters. Like I grew up reading you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure, he loved to hear that. Yeah. So. Always been writing, mm-hmm. um, avid reader, but still, there's another level. I know a lot of very talented journalists mm-hmm. of speaking on camera and now presenting your thoughts and saying your thoughts out loud and making it make sense. Where did that skill come from? So here's the thing: I, I when I got when I made the conscious choice to become a, a journalist, it was to become specifically a print journalist. Mm-hmm. I didn't give a fuck about TV. See, uh-huh. like I I thought. TV was was for lame people who wanted to be real journalists. Mm. That was really my, because I was just like, oh, they just there for the show. They yeah, just there yeah, for yeah. The, the glory of being on mm-hmm. TV. And 
you know, print journalists, broadcast journalists, it was like Bloods and Crips, you know? Mm-hmm. It was like, <laughs> we did not, you know, we, of course, we right. had friends on the other side, but there was a snootiness that yeah. print journalists had when looking at broadcast yeah. journalists. We looked down on them mm-hmm. or whatever, like, they ain't real journalists. Mm-hmm. Real is when you freezing your ass yeah, off no, because, covering because, this high school game. Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, and, and it's also a very solitary, um, you know, business. You know, it's, it's, sure. it's just, it's you, your brain, your words, and, and your pen, and, and that's it. You know, you did, that's it. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And so I didn't even, you know, I, I know that for a lot of people out there, they only know me through ESPN, but it's mm-hmm. like, I wasn't born at ESPN. I had yeah. a full fledged print journalism career in sports before I even got mm-hmm. there. I mean, I had already been a professional almost a decade right. before mm. I got to ESPN. And when they hired me, it was not for uh, broadcasting. It was not to be on air. I was hired to be a sports columnist uh, for ESPN.com. Mm-hmm. And what happened, uh, I guess to, to answer your question, what happened is just, you know, when you generate opinion and you're able to drive conversation, that makes you a candidate to be on television, at mm-hmm. least at ESPN. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it mm-hmm. works this way everywhere, but it does. And so they're like, oh, okay, what you wrote in 1500 words, can you say that in 40 seconds? You know, and so, See, that's another like, monster, though. Yeah, that's a whole it, other it is monster. different. And I guess because this is where sometimes ignorance is helpful. One of the few times mm. is that because I didn't think very much of being a broadcaster because I didn't take it that seriously. That's why I was always myself on TV. Right. So that's where that came from yep. in terms of always feeling a level of mm-hmm. comfort of being able to just say what I felt and not worry about what people thought about it because mm-hmm. I didn't I wasn't thinking that television was something for the long haul. Like you were me. being professional but you honestly just didn't care. No, I didn't. You didn't care like that. It's like, you know what? I'm saying what I'm saying, here it is. Here it is. And you guys know this from being in the media mm-hmm. profession. You know that there are people who when the mic gets in front of their face, they turn into a person that's not who they actually are. Oh, oh yeah. absolutely. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's right not away. who they are. Mm-hmm. And so be I'm not that good of an actor. Mm-hmm. I can't fake it. Mm-hmm. So what you get is what you get. And mm-hmm. you can either like it or not. And so that was always my attitude. And I just was comfortable from the beginning. And then next thing you know, I started when I first got to ESPN. The first show I started to do was uh, Cold Pizza, which then became mm-hmm. First Take. Yeah. And uh, so I started doing First Take. And then kind of the way it works there is one producer sees you from another show next thing you know yeah. around the horn is calling yep. the sports reporters mm-hmm. and Jim Rome is burning mm-hmm. and I'm starting to do all these other different types of show and mm-hmm. you're playing in every barbershop around the world <laughs> yeah I'm and, telling and you the, yeah and the reaction you get is, it is a lot different from print it's very immediate obviously people start to recognize you mm-hmm. but what convinced me mostly to put everything into being um, you know, a, a sports broadcaster to, to do the TV thing full time and to leave the writing behind was the money straight up and down. It was mm, the money. The paper. Look, when I saw Matt Lauer get that $25 million a year contract mm. with Fridays off, I was like, oh, you bullshit. Like, I, I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. I'm tripping. Over here trying to write. I was what? like, that's the kind of checks they couldn't? Right. <laughs> Sign me up, sir. Yeah. He, so, <laughs> it's just like, okay, that print journalism integrity. You start balling yeah. up the paper let's like. Just, just, I was like, just, you know what? I get it. I get it. Put that in my back pocket. But you put your I'm, work in, too. Oh, so it's oh, like, totally. yeah. It doesn't, come, what, yeah. it doesn't come overnight. I mean, I tell aspiring young journalists who want to be on on tv uh that it's like football when we're using sports analogies here reps it's reps the better that the more you do tv the better you get at being yourself on tv Mm -hmm. that should be Mm -hmm. what you try to do and so 
I was doing so much of it and just getting better and getting better and then started making transitions into into hosting or being like host opinionist. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was something that I kind of had a little bit of a knack for, but I wish I could tell y'all it was some sentimental reason why I got into TV, but I really did it for the money. Uh, and exactly. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, that a was, great reason. I think a lot of people get yeah, it for, that's, for the that's money. That's like what they all pay the paper. Uh, somebody on TV is like limitless. Exactly. There's, there's a ceiling if you're a writer. Yeah. It's not that way on TV. So question, um, in terms of of, you know, being a, a print journalist focusing on sports and then becoming a sports broadcaster. I mean, there just really wasn't a lot of people, you know, to look up to as, you know, as idols. Just in terms of women, you were who who, who was in your class of, you know, doing the same thing that you were doing. Well, and I and I and I and I want to I want to ask, you know, a kind of a B side to that question. Was Jane Kennedy one of your one of your yeah, idols? Yeah, I remember Jane Kennedy absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jane Kennedy was one of the earliest ones. Somebody who honestly, whose name isn't brought up enough for the trail that she blazed. Yeah, because of what she became known for, which is such a shame because it has destroyed her legacy. Wait, fill me in. What okay, happened? so a uh, little bit of backstory. Jane Kennedy was the very first um, black woman sports anchor on CBS Sports, like Monday Night Football type thing. She was sitting there with all the white guys, you know, and she knew her stuff. She was married to an uh, a, a B actor, Z list actor named Leon Washington. Was yep, that who Leon it was? Washington, uh. yeah. And Have you ever seen the the movie or the series? I think it was a, a few of them. Penitentiary. Mm-hmm. That was a penitentiary one, two, and three. So this is and back in like the <laughs> late seventies, early eighties. Mm-hmm. So while they were married, they did what a lot of married couples do, and they recorded themselves. You know, oh, having some sexual on the big camera back then. The, I remember that them camera. My mom big, had a camera still. That I don't. I, they but, set up the tripod and they made a yes, production. They yes. <laughs> well, um, this was probably the very first sex tape, I would say. Um, and so, uh, so tape. what? This is this is what really killed me about the whole story is the fact that they were already divorced, and I think she was remarried or engaged at the time mm-hmm. when the tape gets leaked and it went everywhere and it destroyed it not only destroyed her career it just it practically destroyed her um it's really sad she was uh please google her she was j-a-y-n-e she was gorgeous a beautiful woman smart intelligent like everything and it's just it just really sucks that her career was completely dismantled because of I don't know like just bitterness from an ex or whatever the case is. It I was uh, it still hurts my heart. No, because she is, it uh, she was an idol of mine. Sad story, and as uh, that's why I said like her name is honestly not brought up enough when we talk pioneers. Yeah, um, you mm-hmm. know for women, especially for Black women. Yeah, but I guess for me in terms of television. It was uh, it was Pam Oliver, mm-hmm. right? Oh, and yeah. so mm-hmm. seeing Pam Oliver mm-hmm. on the sidelines, and and not just and that's a tough job. Yeah, I, mean, I did sideline reporting for one year on college football, and I was like, oh hell no. Yeah, uh, you reporting in elements. It's just a lot that's going on. That's a very difficult job, and I think she's on the Mount Rushmore to me of of sideline reporters, um, you know, in the game. And so yeah, of course I watched her, but most of the the, the women that I looked up to were more on the print side because I was a writer first. But mm-hmm. once I got into doing broadcasting, it was like Pam and, and Lisa Salters, mm-hmm. um, a lot of different women who I just uh, really enjoyed the command that they had of mm-hmm. the camera and, and just how they carried themselves. 
the tough part was that because I came through such a different path, mm -hmm. coming through writing and the fact that at the beginning, from I was I was somebody who gave my opinion. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't come in as an anchor. Mm -hmm. I didn't come in as a sideline reporter. I gave my opinion. Mm -hmm. So I was used to driving things with that. Yeah. And there when you even when you look around now, there's not any shows hardly where women are driving the show with their opinion, not mm -hmm. just sitting there teeing up the topic for the guys. Yeah, yeah. just hosting kind of yeah. or you know, and and that's that takes a special skill in itself. So I'm not and, certainly trying to belittle that. And but, I just and I want to say that not to not to cut you, mm -hmm. that is why mm -hmm. I loved you on first take. Yeah, yeah. And why I Same. do not like the direction that first take has take it has has gone since I mean even Carrie Champion, you know, carried the torch. Yeah. N now, no. It's, well, it's, it's, just it's, like it's, a person as a narrator. Just in terms of the position that the woman has on that show, I liked it when the woman's position, her opinion was respected and it was it was valued and it was it, it had a very large platform. Well, it just I, I seems like it's been shifted. Say this is that uh, women who sit in that seat, it's a seat that frankly, just the way the job goes, I don't know if it's something that you can do for a long time. I mean, mm -hmm. Carrie is. Uh, extremely she's one of my best friends she's in my wedding she's a mm -hmm. uh, she's um you know a very talented broadcaster yes. she had a lot to give yeah and but that's the kind of job where it's where, it, to me it looked like they limited her like they yeah. they they, I mean, they pulled just, they pulled her back this is the this is the good and the bad of the show the great mm -hmm. of the show i can't say bad because it's why it's considered to be one of the most successful mm -hmm. commentary shows in sports is that the point of it is to highlight the opinions of the two people debating mm -hmm. that's the point and so the thing is, if you're debating and the way it's set up, almost as somebody used to uh, used to uh, tell me, they they called it competitive arguing. Mm -hmm. So because of that, if you have a moderator, you don't really have room for a third voice, right? Right. If you're trying to highlight those two voices, mm -hmm. then, which means that somebody is going to have to sacrifice shots, right? And unfortunately, because we've typically, at least on a permanent level, like I've seen other people hosted, other men, but like a woman in that position is going to automatically by default look as if they're suppressed mm -hmm. because their job is not to chime in. Their job is to set up the other two that are there. Right. And so it's, it's a tough job, especially if you're somebody who has an opinion. I mean, I look, I did the moderator job before Carrie for like two or three weeks mm -hmm. was not the job for me. Right. And I wasn't, and they, it was mutual. They yeah. knew that this ain't really what you want to do. Right. And so, um, so now, you know, when you, it, it's hard when you look at the women there and you know that they have other things that they could give and say, but it's just not the way the show is set mm. up. And right. that's, you know, that's kind of through no one's fault. It's just what's been successful. I wanted to ask you about Pam Oliver, who is one of, you know, in my opinion, one of the greatest sideline comment, like, you know, commentators like ever. She is, she is so professional. Yeah. She, she, I, I cannot think of anybody who is more criticized than her for her appearance. It would be frustrating because the noise was so loud. It drowned out just how, how, how capable she was. And I used, as, a, as a woman watching this and, you know, holding her in the high regard that I did, it would be, it was just. From the new This Time Tomorrow podcast, available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Join us as we explore a future full of possibilities in the age of 5G. My pie in the sky, like I said, is a system that's able for my firefighter to see what they're doing in a building. They can see maybe what a drone footage over the building looks like, so they can actually see where they are, so they can be exposed to exterior conditions that typically they won't be able to see unless they're outside the structure. So 5G to me 
is the pipe that could capture all that information and stream it in to a firefighter's face piece. This Time Tomorrow is presented by T-Mobile for Business. Today, T-Mobile is leading the 5G charge with $30 billion invested in an advanced network designed to deliver the breadth of mobility we need. Business is changing. Learn more at tmobileforbusiness.com. Like really, really frustrating. Like what's your thoughts on, you know, and you know, and I'm sure you know her personally. I know a little bit personally, yeah. Have you guys ever had a conversation about that? No, we've never had that? a conversation about that. I mean, I, I, <clears throat> Pam and I know of each other. Because uh, I've like never talked a couple uh, times, but we never, we've never gone in depth. So uh, to call her a friend, she's somebody I respect and admire, mm-hmm. but to call her a friend would be like putting too much sauce on it. So yeah. I will say this, and this goes, and this is the unfortunate part about being a woman in broadcasting, being a woman particularly in sports broadcasting. Is this way too much fixation, fascination, uh, focus on what we look like? Mm-hmm. Dudes could be old, fat, bald, gray, mm-hmm. terrible mm-hmm. suits, weird all ties, that. all that, right? Oh Nobody says a word. They may clown them, but it's nothing that is considered to be a detriment to the work that they're putting in. Mm-hmm. Women, on the other hand, and this happened to me personally so many times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would do a, a great sports center, kill it. I remember one time I did one. We had a good show. Everything was good. Energy mm-hmm. was great. Good guests, all that. Some dude, some asshole on social media hit me up <laughs> because I was wearing that day. I was wearing thigh high uh, or knee high boots, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it, they had a they had to be tied up. Mm-hmm. And I just got lazy. I ain't gonna lie. I didn't tie up the back up. I was like, <laughs> I don't even feel like doing this right now. Mm-hmm. It came a loose at some point in the show. Mm-hmm. And so this dude sent me a tweet. Was like. You know, you shouldn't wear those kind. Those boots aren't appropriate for TV, and you know you need to tie them if you go wear them. And I mean, it took. It wasn't nothing but the body of Christ that kept me from cussing this dude out. <laughs> and, but that's the kind of things that we have to deal with mm-hmm. is that there's a fixation on it. And as it relates to Pam, look, people who have never been a sideline reporter, those that were criticizing her, mm-hmm. they don't understand what that's like. As I said, I spent a whole a whole college football season doing it. Give it, give, give, give like a, a kind of a visceral description for, for people to understand what it's like to be on the sideline of a, of an active game. Yeah. You, who knows that they could come and hit you and yeah. y- your life is in peril. Gotta just like, on a swivel. Like, yeah, t- <laughs> t- like talk about so the energy, like everything that kind of goes into the, you know, that handling that job. So here's the thing is that before you even get to the point of doing the actual job, you do have to think about what you look like. Mm-hmm. So I remember, when I did it first thing I did went and got braids mm-hmm. the reason why I went and got braids is because I looked at the schedule mm-hmm. and look we started in August we know the weather mm-hmm. in August is Girl, great right? yes. September is great yeah. let that October November December hit yeah. totally different story sure. so that means I gotta look cute in all elements mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so because there were games where it was a blizzard. There were games where it was yeah. rain. Braids was, are my go-to. See what I'm saying? Yes. It's like, so then, you, again, you have to think about, like, your hair. Mm-hmm. And because you're sometimes in these elements, whether it be really hot, really cold, or really rainy, mm-hmm. then it become, then it's your makeup. And see, a lot of sides, I mean, I don't think Pam, because of the level she was at um, and the broadcast team she was on, I'm not sure if she did have to worry about this. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm not sure. No, she would be out there in them elements. Yeah, she would be. Oh, she, no, she, she had be. to be yeah. out there in the elements. But yeah. the part I'm thinking about is the makeup. See, the thing is, okay. like, I had to do my own makeup. Yeah. Right? And so if you have to do your own makeup and you're also trying to keep track of a game, keep track of injuries, mm-hmm. see what's going on, you're the you're the eyes of the field for mm-hmm. the people in the booth and for the producers. It's like, you don't have time to be touching yourself up every yeah. five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, you just don't. Yeah. And I'm running, 
the, the, it's funny because the thing I always used to joke, I was like, yo, I, I never knew what the score was for any game because mm-hmm. I'm running literally sideline to sideline, mm-hmm. you know, trying to like, as soon as a player goes down, I got to run to see where they are to see what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are they hurt? Try to get a medical update. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, you know, there's a bad play or to see the quarterback's body language. If he throws an interception, he comes to the bench. Who does he talk to? Does he yell at the wide receiver? Is he yelling at the offensive coordinator? What is he doing? This I never like, knew all this was like all this physical activity oh, is yeah. going you on. You run it. I mean, I remember one time and and the thing is sometimes it's timing. Um, I was in Vegas covering the game. It's hot as shit out there. It's mm. Vegas Ooh. in September. Mm-hmm. And I had to run about 60 yards to catch the coach before he went into the locker room because I had to do the halftime interview with him. And it was Mike Leach. And Mike Leach, his staff will tell you, the PR staff will tell you, the coach is not coming back out once he goes in that locker room Mm -hmm. to address the team. Mm -hmm. So you better catch him before he gets in there, Mm -hmm. which seems like fine. The problem is the most significant play on the field that was happening right before the end of the half was on the opposite end. So I (laughs) ran, like, again, 60 yards. I'm sweating. So when the time I got to him, I got to him. I made it. I asked a question, but I could feel the sweat. I got on makeup. So somebody who saw me, Uh, some I'm sure somewhere some jerk at home was like, why she look like that? Why her makeup all this? Hey, I ain't got time to think about you. Right. Or what you think I look yeah. like. I'm trying to do my job. Okay, y'all, you know what time it is. It's time for another Hollywood hookup. Hello. That's right. So there's this deodorant that I'm like obsessed with. Yes. Native. Me also. Yeah. You like it too. I do like it. Okay. Well, because it works. It's one of the reasons why I like that it. That was a plus. <laughs> the fact that I put it on and I, I wasn't funky. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I've really wanted to, you know, kind of take this holistic journey. Yeah. Being very cognizant of the things that I put in my body and on my body. So I make my own body butters. I make my own hair oils. Mm-hmm. And then when Native came along with these deodorants that are, you know, made from natural products, I was like, oh, please sign me up. Yeah. And then they smell so good. They smell bomb. Yeah, they smell bomb. So I'm still using my uh, coconut vanilla. Uh, not flavor because you can't lick it (laughs) (laughs) but scent and it smells so good Um, and you're the I I had the eucalyptus mint eucalyptus mint and quick story I Mm -hmm. went to Paris and I I took only that deodorant yeah and it was a hundred degrees it was one of those hot hot days in Paris yeah and I was like yo I'm about to put this to the test Uh and it held up I smelled great I didn't feel nasty I didn't feel funky and I was like wow this really this really you know it worked. It well, worked. with over 8,000 five-star reviews, it, it, it more likely than not I'm definitely is, one of those. Yeah, is is working for quite a few people out there. Less is more with Native. They have fewer, simpler ingredients, yep. so you know just what you're getting when you look at the packaging. Absolutely. Um, aluminum may be linked to some serious health ramifications, and Native is aluminum-free, safe, and ooh, effective. Ooh. Um, Native comes in a wide variety of enticing scents, like we discussed, for yep. both men and women. And they've also released a new limited-edition seasonal scent, uh, throughout the year. Uh, they also offer an unscented formula and baking soda-free formula for those with sensitivities. That's nice. Uh, so the promo code is unlocked for 20% off of your first purchase. You visit nativedeodorant.com yes. and use the promo code unlocked during the checkout. That is nativedeodorant.com and the promo code is unlocked for 20% off of your first purchase. And that is... Your Hollywood hookup. Boom. So all the people that like to get on Pam about what she's wearing, her hair, whatever it may be, whatever issue, first of all, ain't none of y'all probably going to kick Pam Oliver out of bed anyway. She's married, so whatever. <laughs> right. she's, a, she's a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Secondly, 
I bet a lot of y'all sitting at home, y'all ain't tens your damn self. All mm. right. So that's <laughs> before you go jump, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, you know, it, it, it's just unfortunately part of what women have to deal with is like we not only have to work twice as hard to work get twice half as hard, the respect, half the respect, half the money. You could put all that time, effort, energy, be running back and forth from sidelines, getting great information, great reporting for three and a half hours and be reduced to, but I don't like your makeup. Yeah. Look at her eyebrows. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's 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 incredibly frustrating. Um, you know, from from the perspective of just sitting back watching, I'm like, why is this even a part of the fucking conversation? Shouldn't but, be. but but it just is. It just is. So um one thing, you are very outspoken, speaking of your <laughs> speaking of your opinion. Uh, um and and uh, so let, let's talk about some things that you've said publicly and, um, you know, and then and then find out like the, the backstory around it. Um, so during the 2008 NBA playoffs, um, you were suspended um, from your post after referencing mm -hmm. um, Adolf Hitler in an article about um, then NBA champion, Bo uh, champion Boston Celtics um, and the Detroit Pistons. Um, you described why you could not support the Celtics. Uh, rooting for the Celtics is like saying Hitler was a victim. It's like hoping Gorbachev would get to the blinking red button before Reagan. Um, this being Ooh. in two, this being in I hey this being in 2008 and this now being 2019 do you still feel the same way like what's your perspective on what you said would and if you could go back in time would you do it again uh, man if i could erase that column forever i would if i could the men in black the the, mm -hmm. the button yeah. you press yeah. the pen yeah. if i could i would on that and um you know it, better headline players fuck up mm -hmm. <laughs> better headline all mm -hmm. right Secondary to that, I would say that to me was the product of lazy writing. Mm -hmm. uh, the fact that that column came on an off day where I really didn't have anything. I really didn't have a good idea. And so I was lazy and mm -hmm. I wrote something that was horrible mm -hmm. for a lot of reasons. One, to lightly throw around the name of Adolf Hitler mm -hmm. is um, insensitive, mm -hmm. and it was fucked up on my part. It was a, it was a huge mistake. Well, thank God it wasn't uh, social media. Social media wasn't what it was. <laughs> what it, what what it is, is now. now, because yeah. I mean, yeah. Christ I Almighty, got fired for that now. Yeah, 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 yeah it was like with sure. the MySpace days. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was still the MySpace days. Yeah. I, and trust me, the 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 backlash I experienced all deserved, mm -hmm. with the exception of, of one thing. When this. Um, as you might imagine, that didn't endear me to Celtics fans too much, right? Nope. I, yeah, I, 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 as you might not. imagine, mm -hmm. right? And mm -hmm. y'all know Boston, yes, Boston. I, you yes. know how Boston can be. Yeah, we do. Um, sometimes that that's you know because before Boston starts to defend themselves, no, I'm no, like, no, I'm not no, no, that no. Boston is the only city. No, that way. Let, no. Let's just but put we it, know what Boston is exactly. Sometimes. That 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 is a fixed given. That is what I call a fact. <laughs> a fixed given a fixed is given. is that Boston has a very specific history related to race relations it is what it is black and white it and they're being a, exactly so let's not act like it doesn't yeah. exist so um uh there was this uh radio station there that gave out my telephone number oh my god wow. they gave it out on air so that was not a cool day wow. i'll tell you that when that happened so oh, god, and there girl. were there was some you know some protesting that happened at the game that was like the next day and you know, it was it was a huge shitstorm of which was totally self-inflicted. And over the years and even at the time, people have tried to sort of get me to um, blame other people and blame it on the editor. Because, I mean, obviously, I didn't post the story myself. I mean, mm -hmm. it was it had to go through mm -hmm. a process. Yeah. Right. As, so somebody and, like seen it was like they could have 
Yeah, I mean, they stepped in. Like, technically, yes, so. they could have saved me from myself. That's what editors kind of do. But yeah. I don't blame them because I'm the one that wrote it. Well, so it starts and stops. With and maybe me. they thought it was good. It could. I mean, <laughs> it, it, it could. It could have made them chuckle. But the reality <laughs> is that that was when. That's when I really, really, honestly started to understand and have more respect for the platform that I was on. Right. Because the part mm. that nobody prepares you for when you get to ESPN is that. Yes, it's great that it's a huge platform, but it takes you from being uh, just the person who wrote to th- wrote the story or said something to you becoming the story. Mm-hmm. Every time you say something, you say it. Yes. You know, it's like ESPN reporter Jamel Hill said yes. it. Yes. Right? It's yes. not ESPN, it's me. A lot right. of accountability. Totally. Yeah. And so that taught me to have respect for the platform. And I didn't have respect for it by writing that. And so I, I tell younger journalists all the time is that the moment you start to get lazy and complacent, bad shit happens. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. And, you know, I deserve the criticism. And I hate that to this day, if you Google my name and Hitler, it something comes, comes up. up. Right. Well, in, in contrast to that, you you know, you, uh, you were suspended for a week and mm-hmm. you issued an apology through ESPN. But then, same year, um, uh, um, uh, former Notre Dame uh, football coach Lou Holtz, he made a Hitler reference in the same year, and there was no suspension, there was no penalization. Well, you know how that go. I mean, it's unfortunate that it's, it's just whack. so it's so glaring, you know. And so, like, what's your thoughts on that? Do you feel like they just kind of served you up on a platter to get like you know slaughtered? <laughs> well, look, we know. Uh, in this business there's different rules from different people and mm. and the reason it's not fair it may not be fair it's not fair well you it's know life fair. ain't fair I know that but sometimes you just gotta say it's not fucking it's not fair. fair but the the part that I chose to to focus on was that it may not be fair in a lot of people's minds or there may be a obvious discrepancy but it still doesn't erase what I wrote. And mm-hmm. the reality is, like, I can only worry about me. I don't know. Whatever they decided to do with Lou Holtz was on them and Lou Holtz, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. so when that happened, I wasn't sitting there angry and seething. I wasn't calling editors and calling management saying, how dare you and all this other stuff. It's like, hey, you know, the way I could, the only way I could have controlled that situation is if I had never written it, I wouldn't have to worry about it. Right. So to me, it's just... You know, and I, I've i seen that throughout my career. We see it all the time. Like, certain people get treated one way, certain people get treated the other way. And it may be tough to swallow sometimes in those moments. But at, for me, I was more focused on how can something like that never happen again? Right. Okay. So in comparison to what happened on September 11th, 2017, mm-hmm. when you'd made a series of tweets, that, you know, where you criticize uh, Donald Trump, um, including a tweet that dis- you described him as a white supremacist, um, Again, you were. Uh, Where's the lie? <laughs> that that part, that part. So you are. So you Woo! you you have um, regret and remorse about the about the article and and you know making the Hitler reference. Then, do you feel like? Do you still stand? Do you stand by what you what you said about um about Trump? The A cr- thousand percent. Hell yeah. It's only he's only made me right every day. <laughs> <laughs> right. You ain't never lied. Uh, right. So no, nah, I don't. I don't have any regrets about what I said. I mean, I know a lot of people um, because it, initially, I, I think the first comments I made about it, uh, good old TMZ caught me. Mm-hmm. They, they snuck me, caught me sleeping, and right. so people were thrown off when they saw or heard rather me apologize. But I wasn't apologizing to the president, and I wasn't apologizing for what I said. Mm-hmm. The part that I apologized for, and the only regret that I have is that a lot of people who I love, care for, and respect took um, 
they took they were made to be collateral damage in okay. that situation. That's it. In like, terms of colleagues over at ESPN, yeah, uh, like all okay, of a sudden yeah, they yeah, have yeah. to be asked about me, and 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 most specifically is that my co-host at the time, Michael Smith, who yeah. is one of my dear friends, yeah. what he had to deal with as a result of that, and he never was mad at me, and he supported me a hundred percent. But the truth is, like we were in the middle of trying to reinvent something on the six o'clock sports center. Mm -hmm. We were having a lot of creative differences with the people in charge and just trying to get the show right. And then here comes this grenade mm -hmm. as you know, as we're trying to figure things out. And so it put him in a, in a, in an awkward spot because mm -hmm. with all that going down and then once I got suspended, he's forced to host in my absence, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, by himself. And it's just, so for that, I felt bad. And mm -hmm. even at the time, ESPN's president, John Skipper, who was a champion of mine mm -hmm. throughout my career at ESPN, to put him in the crosshairs of what I thought to be some very unfair criticisms of him and how he ran ESPN. Yeah, I was definitely regretful about that and sorry that they had to take some bullets because of me. But as far as specifically what I said, yeah, you who I said it, it to, yeah. yeah. I say worse now. Yeah, no, I know. I, trust me, and we probably would we would agree with you. Um, we're de we're definitely not fans over here. Um, and I and I totally understand the whole collateral damage yeah. thing. You know, I mean, our our co-host Jason Lee, um, he is not a shrinking violet. <laughs> no, uh, he is very vocal about his opinions on things, and a lot of times the opinions that he shares with the public. Um, it, it, it creates a very vitriolic response. Right. You know, people are... Yeah, people want you to answer for what he mm -hmm. said, right? Yeah. All the time. Can, can you please save me? No, I mean, I... I, I look, save you. No, no, like, literally, I'm just like, why? Because people are like, as a black woman, Melissa, how, how, could, how you? could you sit right. next to him? I'm just like... <laughs> Okay, just let me know when you're going to start paying my bills and I, you know what I'm saying? Well, like people it's, also, I think. Um, I love that I love that he has his own opinion. Keyword, we can keyword, sit here and opinions. we can have diverse opinions mm -hmm. and still occupy the oh, same I, space. Oh, I imagine that a lot of people, especially cuz obviously the nature of the show, you mm -hmm. guys talk about, you know, people in this industry mm -hmm. and um, and give your what you consider to be your honest opinion. I can imagine a lot of people probably roll up on y'all like, so we got a problem. You know what? what I, to say. I, I, this is where I want to bring her into the conversation mm -hmm. that is just trending all mm -hmm. over the place. Yeah, let's and, get your opinion and, okay. and, right and, now. And specifically something that, um, you know, Jason's catching like a, either people are agreeing with him or like he's catch, catching a lot of flack. It's for. a lot of conversation around Not here. sure if you watch Basketball Wives. I do. But okay, I, so I am. I am uh, wait, wait. Hold up. Before you say that. Okay. Watch it. Watch it. Because, uh, well, this is this is so funny that I'm here because uh, my fiance was is a really big fan of the Love and Hip and Love and Hip Hop franchise. Uh -huh. So I became acquainted with Jason in the show through him. Okay. You know, mm. and so so of course I've seen that show, mm -hmm. and uh, I watched Basketball Wives kind of in the first couple seasons, and then I didn't watch for a long time, mm -hmm. and. I think because of the nature of my new job, not uh, not being at ESPN, not having to totally consume myself with sports, mm -hmm. it's like I'm, it feels like I'm just now getting into reality TV. Yeah. So I restarted watching Basketball Wives, and I think I may be about three episodes down. I haven't seen the finale, okay. So I don't know, but I mean, you but you in it, okay? But I'm in. You it. know the character. I know the character. Okay. All right. So so let's 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 try and like you know unpack this as okay. quickly as possible, just so we can get to the opinion. So basically, the there is this massive conversation going on 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 all social media about colorism, and 
It's Evelyn versus OG. Yes. And we just had <laughs> Evelyn on the show. Oh, okay. And I want to say to our, you know, our listeners and our viewers that I did not watch this show. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah, I so, just seen the clip. So when Evelyn mm -hmm. came on the show, I literally just received her as um, a guest. I, I know kind of bullet points of what's going on, but I didn't know. I didn't watch. You, didn't, you, you know of Evelyn, though. Yeah, yeah I, but, of course. And I also know Evelyn from like the beginning of yeah, the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I did ask her a lot about the whole, you know, solving con conflict through combat yeah, she thing. she was off the hook in the beginning. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. She that legendary. Part, yeah. That part. And yeah. then, you know, I asked her about, you know, the 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 your, her claim about, you know, her Afro-Latina roots. Yep, I was like, yep. it's seeming a little coincidental that this is how you're identifying now in light of the, what the argument is that you are a colorist and blah 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 so she answers all of this okay. and and what whatever the audience garners from that let them do whatever they want um I wanted to ask you what your perspective was on on the colorism spectrum because I you're not you're not light skin and you're not dark skin you're kind of like in, the, in the middle you're in the middle i'm a little caramel yeah yeah you're like milk, milk chocolate you know <laughs> well, where i'm from they consider her light skin yeah sure. i'll say most people would yeah, I mean, yeah. Most yeah. People could, okay so you okay so you'd fall into the light especially because the hazel eyes that's yeah. it oh, yeah. right yeah, very very nice nice. okay yep. so I, when evelyn was here i had not you know watched the show and then i decided to go back and watch what everybody was talking about mm -hmm. And what was really interesting to me is OG has a little bit of a point. Is Ooh. it the, a little bit of a point? So once you saw it, it kind of changed. So yeah, yeah, break that down. So Here, so I, she had a point. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen the the clip and the beat. Yeah, yeah, I've seen the clip and I, too. I mean, there's been tension. So OG's, for some shows OG's now. <laughs> yeah, OG's only been on the show for like two. This is her second season. Okay. Um, first season, you know, she really there, she was just kind of like floating around or whatever. Tammy and her develop a friendship. Tammy and Evelyn do not mess with each other for mm -hmm. some very. Whew, reasons um, that goes it, back a while yeah it yeah, goes back a mystery. while it involves sleeping with somebody's husband it's it's gnarly <laughs> man it's gnarly um but uh you know her and og you know kind of take to each other i wondered if it was like a situation of my enemy's enemy is my best friend but then it just seemed like you know og was kind of like you know odd man out type thing she uh participates in the lingerie league football league and so the whole question and so you know when it came to them talking about OG and referencing her as being aggressive and we don't want to shoot scenes with her because she's aggressive and this, that, the other. This is coming from women who have thrown bottles at people, glasses at people, yeah. flipped tables, started fights. OG has made comments of like, I could kill you right now, but I'm not going to. You know what I'm saying? She, if there, it's, it's like the whole idea that she's aggressive based on you know, the argument she made is like, she, you keep referring to me as aggressive and you're referring to me because of my, the color of my skin. Mm. But you light skinned girls get to run around here throwing shit at people and you're claiming that I'm the aggressor, but mm. I haven't actually put hands on anybody, but you guys have. See, here's the thing. Here's the thing. You have people like OG who you know physically mm -hmm. is going to whoop your ass. Yeah. So that's when they say an aggressive. You said the Lingerie Football League. Have yeah. you ever watched the Lingerie Football League? They no, show? I know. No, she probably the could women, hand well, them their asses. They've shown clips. They're and she strong was business. It's shit. Okay. Like, it's not yeah. like, you know, oh, it's like some cute, like, it's like. But if we. It, <laughs> so but, they like, no, yo, she if, starts popping off. But that's the but that's the thing is she has not lifted a finger to, to hit Ooh, anybody in comparison to the women 
women calling her aggressive. These women have have, have multiple examples of them throwing stuff, throwing being stuff, aggressive, being yeah. aggressive. So it's just like the it's. But that's a common. That's a commonly you know. It's a it's a common stereotype. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying here. Is that that she feels as if, and I say this again for for, for everybody. I have not seen these last couple shows. Mm-hmm. I do know that it goes down yeah. because of what the clips say, and then you just hear different whispers. But um, yeah, look, here's here's what we all have to recognize, realize, and be upfront about as people of color, especially as black people. Mm-hmm. The you begin to take on the traits of the oppressor. Mm-hmm. That's what happens. Mm-hmm. Is that um, colorism in our community has been an issue forever, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is passed down generational racial trauma. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. Is that we were all taught a certain trope about dark skinned people mm-hmm. coming up mm-hmm. based off little comments that were made mm-hmm. based off us, uh, you know, a uh, certain, um, you know, insults. blackface va- vaudeville. Black, like, I mean, yeah. yeah, it's always in, in, in film TV mm-hmm. images, dark skinned people have always been characterized as being more aggressive, not as attractive. Like that's a thing mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's still real. Mm-hmm. And it's something that despite the fact that we are all sensitive to, the racism we just generally face in society, we have no problem turning that same racism mm-hmm. on our own people. Yeah. Right. And yeah. it's just, a, it's just a thing. And yeah. I just consider that just part of, as I said, the racialized generational trauma that we have all faced. I do not know what happened between them. I mean, I know that there's a lot of aggressive moments on that show. I think of people yeah. of all spectrums yeah. of colors, just yeah. because that's what the show kind of is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a part of it. That's well, what it is. Yeah. Well, part of what uh, well, part of what OG's argument is, you know, when she calls Evelyn a colorist, she she's just like, "This is a Puerto Rican woman. Look at her. She's got cornrows in her hair." I didn't necessarily agree with that one, um, because I mean, like, I mean, when you're arguing, you're gonna be reaching. You gotta throw a little things <laughs> yeah, yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, argument. It's like, oh, look, she got cornrows. But, like, then, ah. but then she's also she's a Puerto Rican woman that throws around the N word and stuff like that, and it's just like, mm. okay ish not really because when you think geographically when you think about new yorkans you know the puerto rican community that that grows up in new york this is not an excuse it is just a fixed given it is a fact they are very blended into the african-american community and so it's like my ex-boyfriend is full-blooded puerto rican if you saw him you'd think he was just a light-skinned black guy he uses the n-word liberally and nobody is nobody's putting a gun to his head like you better stop that because it's accepted that is the one you know geographically speaking it is just an accepted kind of thing that happens in new york philly it's the same thing it's like we all grew up together not saying you know it's okay or not okay for them to say it but they're not even they're not even recognizing what's going on yeah i think the only part that people um people get agitated of people who are you know um black that we're where some of us may express some agitation or some frustration is that i i'm with you like a lot of times environment mm-hmm. has a lot to do with people's liberal use of the n-word yes, or just yes. like just what they're into their culture you know just culturally what they identify with mm-hmm. that being said some of those folks and i'm i want people to be clear i'm not a- accusing evan lazada of this at all mm-hmm. that being said though when they receive those privileges mm-hmm. for being lighter skinned, yeah. for a, mm-hmm. a, a hair texture that's different, mm-hmm. they gladly accept those privileges. Right. And, you know, on top of that, some of them go out of their way that even despite the fact they could be consuming black culture, blackness, 
uh, using the N-word, all of that, mm-hmm. when somebody misidentifies them, yeah. that's when this shit really come out. Right. Because then they're like, oh, oh no, nah. I'm not one of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. nah. whoa, like, whoa, whoa. Wait, hold up. They're yeah. like, they'll check you about that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you're like, but, okay, five minutes ago, mm-hmm. you were singing along with Snoop and you was in this, in that. Mm-hmm. But now that they've actually, they think you're one, right. then you're like, no, no, I'm not one of them. Right. So that's the part that can yeah. be a little tricky to navigate yeah. and um you know we got to be honest about it. like i mean look fat joe he use it all the time all day <laughs> every sentence yeah that's his but you know my thing is if you're if you're gonna do that and which fat joe has done if you're gonna do that and 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 use these cultural identifiers and consider yourselves to be um you know, wedded to our group, then when shit gets real, as in when we out here fighting mm-hmm. for some real shit, mm-hmm. you better be right with us. Right. Mm-hmm. That's that's really my only standard and rule. Yeah. Like, okay, I mean, except for white people, you can never use it. But right. that's beside the point. <laughs> except for white people, y'all can't use it. Sorry, you just got to deal with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like, okay, we all people of color. Mm-hmm. And so when things go down and we're being marginalized and we have to fight for something, you better be in that fight. Yeah. It. What I've, like, I've just been doing the deep dive into the comments because that's what part of my job is to do. And what I'm reading and seeing is everybody is leading with their pain. They are leading with their pain. They're leading with their trauma. You know, it's pain and trauma is very experiential, you know. And so the experiences you might have had, I might be able to intellectualize if you tell me about it, but I didn't have it happen to me. Just like, you know, use my car accident for an example. You know, I prior to that listening to people talk about having a near-death experience or whatever you can intellectualize it you can you know understand it as a concept but when it actually happens to you it is just it's very different and it becomes you know it becomes this this physical thing you know and that you lead with and so I'm not hearing very um you know i'm not hearing any arguments come from an intellectual standpoint mm-hmm. it's just coming from pain so everybody's projecting everybody's projecting mm-hmm. onto each other it is a mess it is ugly and the and it, and, it, and it, it, i just don't see like there's there's no clarity there's no solutions you know i i even went back to watch those documentaries um dark girls and light girls yeah yeah you know and i you know just trying to you know make sense of it from an intellectual standpoint and it just well, it exhausted the no, shit out of me mean, girl it's, it's honestly a, it's i was very, like i'm tired it's a complicated issue yeah it the is solution, the solution is easy the solution is just not um easy to practice is yeah. that especially knowing as people of color what it feels like to be marginalized what it feels like to be considered not worthy we just really should never put ourselves in the position where we're doing that to other people. Yeah. It's really just that simple. It's yeah. like when you respect everybody's humanity and dignity, you'd be surprised how long, like how much that gets you. Yeah. But unfortunately we don't live in that kind of world. And I think that everybody is just kind of like, like, you know, doing this kind of like, you know, my oppression is greater than your oppression. Oh, the oppression Olympics. The oppression oh, Olympics. Favorite game. It's, it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. So everybody's weighing their pain against each other. And it's just like, like I said, pain being very experiential. It's like, yes, your pain is great. You know, like, let's just say I'm talking to a woman who's darker complected and she's like, you don't know what it's like, Melissa, you know, to have been called ugly or to have been called monkey or whatever the case is. I'm like, okay, so, but do you know what it was like to be, you know, uh, bum rushed on the playground and girls cut your hair and slice your face, you know, and telling you, 
telling you, oh, you think you're so nice because you're light skin. It's just like, but, but wait, what? But look, look, I was just about and to say that. it's all projection. I just had this conversation. Um, like I, I have another podcast too. Mm-hmm. And my co-host is your complexion. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking about colorism. She was like, I mean, growing up, everybody that was dark skinned were bullies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She was like, you know, I understand what they went through, but you know, everybody goes through something. And then I look back in my high school Everybody was light skin was getting beat up. Mm-hmm. So you, if you wasn't really tough and crazy, mm-hmm. and you light skin with curly hair and all that, mm-hmm. they're beating you oh, up. Oh, they was trying. Mm-hmm. You right. walking down the street, nobody knows you. They're, they're running in your pocket. So I'm like, everybody has a struggle. And yeah. At the end of the day, you just gotta love each other. I know yeah. it sounds so kumbaya. No, no, that's what, that's why I said <laughs> the answer like, is really quite basic. Yeah. The problem is just a, it's just a lot harder to practice. Yeah. And that was my mother's experience too. My mother is light skin. Uh, she has hazel, hazel eyes, and she had kind of sandy red hair growing up. And she used to get her ass whooped. Yeah, you had to mm-hmm. fight if you was light skinned. Yeah. yeah, because they it was the same thing that you experienced. Mm-hmm. People assuming based on what she looked like that she thought she was better. Yeah, mm-hmm. or they just you know. And again, that's that's part of what I was talking about earlier. That is part of that general uh, that generational racialized trauma mm-hmm. that we have experienced. You know, because it happened to us, because it happened to our grandmothers and our great grandmothers. And our great grandfathers, rather than um, because we haven't been able to deal with so much of the PTSD we just carry as a people, mm-hmm. the easiest way and the default and go to for some of us is to inflict that pain on somebody else. Yeah, make them feel what they used to make you feel, yeah. so that they understand it. And yeah. I know it's not constructive, no. but it's just unfortunately human nature. I don't, and I just don't feel like the needle is ever going to be moved because we keep coming back to the same thing: my pain versus your pain, yeah. and then and then and that's instead of a, saying the collective pain, it, 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 yeah. instead of saying the collective pain, and not understanding that every other you know race and nationality goes through this. Like South Asian people, they go through the light skin, dark skin yeah. thing. You know, Indian people, they go through. You know, in Africa, you know, skin bleaching creams and stuff like that. Like it is, it is a thing everywhere. It's a La- global. It, it, it's, it's a, a global issue. It is a, it's a global issue. So yeah. we, it's, it just, it really kind of makes me sad and, you know, just catch up on Basketball Wives, girl, because you literally, <laughs> I can't wait. Now I'm you going to be but like. Now, as you, <laughs> you know, talk about the situation, I'm from the outside looking in and I don't really know how Evelyn feels, but when you, when you look at something like that, you said she's always been the aggressor. She's used to being the bully. Yeah. When you're throwing stuff and you're attacking people, you're yeah. used to being the scariest person around. Yeah. When that person sees somebody that can physically whoop their ass, Oh no, we need to make sure now it's a different energy. Yeah, but we yeah, but you you can't play the victim after. Oh, I'm not even trying. I'm not saying she gets a pass, but that's what happens. Now it's like, oh, I know what's gonna happen if she turns up like I turn up, she's gonna beat the shit out of me. And some of it too. I mean, we know that as women we build defense mechanisms over time. And Mm -hmm. those defense mechanisms may not always be the most constructive thing. And maybe on some level, as we just discussed, there are people who um, if you look a certain way, you know, people assume that because you're pretty or you're good looking that you don't go through shit, mm. right? Or that people True. don't pick on you or that people don't come at you. Mm. They try you sometimes even harder. Yeah. So for our, <laughs> so you don't for all say, we know, and I say this, like I've, I interviewed Evelyn once years ago. Mm-hmm. I thought she was very sweet mm-hmm. and, but I, I don't know her story. Yeah. And for all we know, the reason at times where she may be ready to turn up on folks is because she's used to getting fucked with all the time. And that could be part of that. And that's not to give her a pass because you're grown and you have to be always accountable. I Mm -hmm. do understand that. Mm -hmm. But sometimes in understanding how people react, we have to understand 
truly what triggers them and it's probably something deeper than we all know yeah mm-hmm. I, I i would agree so you definitely catch up because mm-hmm. i because I, I heard the uh the reunion is a doozy because <laughs> I, 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 I have a friend that was at the taping and he was like girl what yeah i heard it's i heard it's by up. the way i mean it's uh it's it, i know people would probably find this to be totally you know kind of crazy mm-hmm. and, and often left field coming from i guess somebody with my journalistic background it's my dream to host a reunion not for this show just any, <laughs> any my reunion? favorite if i had to pick one that i absolutely would do judge me i don't care love and hip-hop atlanta no oh. love after lockup if they ever did a show <laughs> a reunion show for love after lockup yo holla at your girl okay holla at me manifest it no, put it out happen. there throw it out there that's just gonna happen please do a reunion show that's my show they're gonna be that's beating my your phone down reality show you're not the only love one after la- love after lockup i have a girl oh i have a couple of girlfriends that are completely addicted they're like melissa you don't watch love after lockup i was like i'm telling you no you, not yet you gotta get on this okay love after lockup Maybe your family or fiance. That's probably another one of my favorite. But yo, I I need to host one of those. Okay, That's I dope. mean I would do a, a love in 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 hip hop. I would do one of those. I yeah. mean Atlanta was woof. I was like I don't. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I can't fight. I don't know. Like, I can see you there. Like y'all better not throw nothing this way. That's now. what I'm saying. I'm like, look. Well, from my your, insurance only so good. From your from your lips to God's ears. Let's put that <laughs> in the right. universe for her. You know, um, tell everybody where they can find you on, on, on social media handles, and also you're writing for the Atlantic. So yep. like, just yeah, uh, yeah. I'll give you the the, the quick spiel. Yeah. So on social media, on all social media, I'm the same Jamel Hill mm-hmm. J-E-M-E-L-E three E's mm-hmm. alright no A's mm-hmm. <laughs> I know a lot of people want to be tempted mm-hmm. to throw that A in there so I'm just at Jamel Hill on Twitter and Instagram uh, and also on uh, Facebook and then uh, as you mentioned I write for The Atlantic mm-hmm. um, on a pretty regular basis I don't have a set day but you know hit the ar- archives and see what I've been discussing latest article is about latest column rather is about this um, situation between the NBA and China, okay. which is uh, mm-hmm. you know a lot of layers, very complicated. There is there, I mean, there's so many things I didn't, we didn't even get to hit on. Like we didn't even get to, <laughs> we didn't even get to talk to you about Jay Z and the NFL. Oh yeah, like what about that too? Yeah, <laughs> like no, I, I I I have some ideas as to where we can continue this conver- Ooh, this conversation. Okay. I, I does it involve liquor? Tell me it does. It absolutely oh, does, honey. Well, I'm, it, well, I'm in. It absolutely and does. The thing is that hey, look, I I live in LA now, so I'm happy to come back anytime. And um, I also like you. I mean, I guess. Everybody in LA has a podcast. I have a podcast as well. It's called Jamel Hill is Unbothered. Uh, it drops on uh, Mondays and Thursdays yeah. on Spotify. Fabulous. Okay. Well, I thank you so much for dropping thank you guys. by. Seriously. I know this is that, great. Yeah. I had a great time. We no, we're we're big fans over here. I know that Jason really wanted to be here to you know to take part in this interview, but you know duty calls and whatnot. But thank you so <laughs> much for coming by. And you're you're yes. yeah we're you're, we're gonna bring you back because okay. there's for so sure, much more that sure. we want so to talk to you about. about. I'm gonna be texting you after I watch this basketball wives. Make like, sure. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? Exactly. Make <laughs> All right. sure. All right. Bye, everybody. See y'all. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Zoom. There's nothing like meeting face-to-face, and there's nothing like Zoom to make that happen. Zoom lets you connect and do business across town or around the world. Zoom ties together all of your communication needs into one easy platform for video conferencing, phone calls, group chat, webinars, and your conference rooms. And connect easily from anywhere, your mobile phone, your laptop, or conference room. Zoom is how business gets done. Get your free account at zoom.com today. Meet happy with Zoom.